0: Well, hey friends! Welcome to our very, very first uh, courageous conversations in the cloud. I am so grateful to be with you. I heard from a lot of you uh, over the last many months um, since Fiona's Irish Pub closed. How are we going to do pub theology now that the pub closed? And then that was pre-COVID. Now COVID. How are we going to do pub theology since COVID? And and um, I've heard your cry and and. We're going to do it online and so as a part of our mission statement as the kingstown communion um, our mission statement is courageous conversation creative community and collaborating for the common good i think we're doing all three right here in this setting we are having a courageous conversation which is the, obviously what we're calling this um, creative community how we are constantly creating anew as god creates a new relationships with those in our community and collaborating with those in our community and so i am so in So excited to introduce you today uh, to Rabbi David Witzer, uh, who is with us from Temple B'nai Shalom. Um, And Temple B'nai Shalom is right off of um, Ox um, Road, right? Uh, in in Fairfax Station, so not far away at all. Um, Definitely Fairfax um, County. And um, Rabbi David, thank you so much for being here with us.
1: Uh, truly a, a pleasure. I was so glad to receive the invitation and get a chance to, to get to know you and, and the community
0: Yeah, I and and what's What's interesting is you just started, right?
1: I did I, I uh, Began the pulpit here on July 1st. That's kind of the first day of, uh, of Congregational life uh, in a in a new year. Uh, I'd be a rabbi in New Jersey Uh, when I uh, received the pulpit here, and so July 1st started as the new senior rabbi at the congregation here. We had been fortunate to have uh, a long time, our founding rabbi who retired uh, just two years ago, and an interim rabbi for the last two years, Uh, and so I'm the new settled rabbi for the congregation, Uh, and so happy and fortunate to, to be beginning my time even in the midst of the most unusual of circumstances.
0: Yeah, what a crazy time. I have a lot of colleagues who are moving um, congregations during this time, and I, I'm, I feel for you um, as you're trying to get to know new people, all the people in your congregation, and that you're mostly online. That's really um, that's hard, and yet... Um, you know, maybe in some ways you are finding it's life-giving. Now, I would love to hear, how's your how's this week been for you? Uh, I imagine this is, le- this is like your first, this is like being with the congregation for, for my, like, for my first Easter with my congregation, for my first Holy Week. You are just coming off of 10-day Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. How are you feeling?
1: They, uh, exa- exactly right. You know, this is the high Holy Day season. So very mm-hmm. much Holy Week and and Easter, the the liturgical pinnacle of the year. You know, so beginning in, when I started in July, uh, we started in, we couldn't do face-to-face parlor meetings, like I would want to do in small groups, Uh, but I did about 20 20 or more sessions on Zoom, five or six families at a time, just talking and getting to know each other, to introduce myself, to hear their stories of uh, of community and congregation. Uh, And actually, I used the opportunity also to talk about the upcoming High Holidays and what they were hoping for, what they were expecting, what pieces of tradition that we did in person that they would want to see if we could do online. Uh, and working with the extraordinary staff uh, of the congregation, we were able to develop a number of different ways to still mark the holidays in really meaningful ways. Uh, Beginning over the summer in preparation, I taught classes and did some study and some learning. Um, We assembled high holiday at home kits uh, that we delivered to our congregants, had them come to pick up that included not only some of the prayers, blessings, rituals to be done at home, Uh, But candles to light for the holiday, uh, some holiday food, apples and honey, which are traditional for the start of the year, Uh, a small uh, flower vase that had our temple logo on it, Uh, and instructions for how at home to set up the computer, to put it onto your big screen TV, to make your home a mikdash ma'at, a small sanctuary, so that our larger sanctuary had its own little individual satellite offshoots in all of our members' homes to be able to link one to, one to another.
0: I Uh, love it. We have been um, also doing a lot of porch deliveries. So we, um, Easter was shortly after um, for, you know. Incredibly done. It was right, right when COVID hit. Um, was when we were doing Hol- Holy Week and, and adjusting Easter all over again. Our congregation is kind of known for adjusting on the fly. Anyways, we're a church plant and we normally meet in an elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, like, you're if if you only you had a founding rabbi and then an interim rabbi and then you, um, y- this is not a, this is not a synagogue that's been in the community forever. Y'all are fairly new, right?
1: Right, where the connection is thirty odd something years old I forget yeah, that that 's
0: yeah. a young that 's a young congregation
1: Absolutely. Um, and we have many of our founding members still active in the community, which has been a wonderful blessing uh, and the f- question was when the high holidays come, it really is the time when the community gathers most intensely uh, the participation, the turnout, the number of folks coming for worship on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur is higher than at any other Sabbath during the the course of the year, of course. Uh, And the question was, how could we do that and create that sense of community and connection if we couldn't be shoulder to shoulder together in our our sanctuary, hundreds and hundreds of us? Uh, And so we worked diligently to try and devise a way to mix with the technology that we have between some zoom sessions so we could see everybody's faces, some live stream from our sanctuary so that folks would be able to receive and broadcast. Uh, we did that. We even did a couple of socially distant in-person events that were part of our, our tradition and our custom. Uh, it is, it's a, it's an intense week, uh, 10 days of, of programming, of worship, of, uh, of services, uh, and theologically of, of introspection and, and reflection. Um, but I think that we were able to connect with the congregation, to be able to connect with one another, to be able to connect with our worship, to be able to connect with God in really meaningful ways. Uh, I'm, I'm so appreciative of uh, everybody who played a role in that, and so thankful that we were able to celebrate our holidays in a very unique way, but in a way that was still tremendously meaningful.
0: Yeah. So, how are you feeling today? This is the. This is like. Um, this is what we call Holy Monday after Easter for me. This is your Holy Tuesday Absolutely. of rest, and you are you are on a call with me. And I'm so glad, uh, I'm so grateful that you're you're choosing to spend this day with us. But um, I. How are you feeling? Are you feeling?
1: Yeah. It's, it's it's a good combination of of good exhaustion, uh, mm-hmm. and also just truly energized. Um, this has been, uh, an intense period of time, um, but to be able to see our community coming together, to be able to pray our prayers and read our liturgy and have those moments that are part of this high holiday season really is wonderfully energizing. Uh, and so I'm, I'm tired and I'm, uh, I slept in this morning for the first time in I don't know how many days. Uh, and I saw my family in a way that i haven't had much opportunity to be with them uh, uh, very much in the last month of preparation um, but nevertheless really energized by what it means for for our community
0: oh, great um, well, we are on this call um, with you today um, we want to hear about um, these last ten days uh, what what is i i have a I have a little bit of a of a, of a knowledge but not a not a robust knowledge we spend a teeny bit of time on this and in, in <laughs> seminary um of more of a, a general um religious overview but i uh I, so I have a little bit of knowledge some people in and kingstown might have a little bit of a knowledge but i would i would venture a guess that people know the names of these holidays and don't didn't even know that they were 10 days long didn't know the difference between rosh hashanah mm-hmm. and yom kippur what is it um so would you share with us a little bit today about what these mean? And, and I know that we um, have already used some of our time to get to know each other. Uh, I, and I recognize, hey, congregation, a debate is tonight at 8 p.m. So I want to maybe get you off so you can go watch um, the debate tonight. I know that's a big deal, uh, but also we want to listen in for, for the next 45 minutes or so um, to, to Rabbi Witzer, so um, yeah. Well, tell us about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur.
1: Of course, so these, as I said, are the, uh, the they're called the High Holy Days uh, in in English uh, or the Yamim Noraim, which more accurately translates into the days of awe. Um, rosh Hashanah is uh, the beginning of the Jewish calendar year, the beginning of the, the Jewish new year. Uh, the word Rosh actually means head, uh, like on your body, Shana is year, so Rosh Hashana is head of the year, the start of the year, the beginning of the year, uh, and by tradition, it actually is the anniversary of the creation of the world, uh, and so it is, uh, on the one hand, a day of, of celebration, of a happy new year, uh, of beginning the the new year with, with great joy and with uh, the proclaiming of the sound of the shofar. The shofar is a ram's horn. I'll grab one off the shelf in a a minute for you to show it to you. Um, But it's a a joyful day of the beginning of the year. Um, It is also, by tradition, the time to do some intense soul-searching, introspection, and reflection. As we start a new year, uh, we're called upon to do, uh, in Hebrew, called teshuva, Teshuvah, which usually is translated as repentance, um, but actually comes from the Hebrew root that means to turn or to return. Teshuvah is a turning away from what we've done wrong, a turning towards what we want to do right. It's a turning from the path where we've gone astray, a turning back to the path that we want to take in the new year. Uh, And so we're called upon this in this season to do the introspection and reflection uh, to lead us towards Teshuvah, towards repentance. Uh, And the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are are the most intense time for doing that. We're told to find those whom we have hurt during the year and try to make amends, uh, to apologize, to say we're sorry. We're told to forgive those who come to apologize to us. Uh, And Yom Kippur uh, is the capstone of that day, the ultimate, uh, the day of atonement, uh, Yom HaKippurim, uh, which is really the, the culmination. Um, we come before God, we confess what we have done, Uh, In our liturgy, there's space both for our own individual confessions and reflections as well as collectively what we as a community or even the individual acts that we as a community take responsibility for and and asking for forgiveness. Um, The traditional imagery um, is a little stark. The traditional imagery is not what most people's theology is nowadays of God on high deciding our fate for the coming year. Will we be sealed in the book of life for for a good year? Who for goodness, who for uh, trouble, who for rich, who for poor, who for uh, being able to achieve and who not to, who shall live and and who shall die. It's a serious theological time. Um, But for the majority of us, I think, we use it as that period of a real reflection of starting the year with a clean slate by ridding ourselves of what we want to not carry into this new year and making those new year's promises for for what we hope for the year to come
0: yeah. so uh it, so, so what I'm hearing you say is that Rosh Hashanah is uh, is is the season, this 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 um, ten day period, right? Rosh Hashanah, is, and, and and am I hearing this right? That but Yom Kippur is the is the culminating day. It's the right.
1: so Rosh Hashanah is is the first day of the Hebrew month of Tishrei. Right? That's that's one day at okay. uh, the beginning of the year. Yom Kippur comes 10 days afterwards. The 10 days in between actually also have a, have a name They are known as the 10 days of repentance. Uh, ah, that's the time okay. really to, to be working on ourselves. And in truth, we know uh, that repentance doesn't just happen during those 10 days. In fact, the custom is that the whole Hebrew month before Rosh Hashanah, we add uh, penitential prayers into our daily liturgy. We are called upon to do that work of preparing. Um, and while the 10, period, 10 days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are the most intense for teshuva, it's not like you don't have to do teshuva the rest of the year. Uh, it's not like, okay, I'm all done, I'm clean, I'm set, uh, but rather it's a reminder that, uh, that we're supposed to do it. I have a, a rabbi friend who says it's not like a spiritual car wash. You don't scrape off all the dirt and then you're clean and good for the next year. It's something we work on all year round uh, as as human beings. Uh, but in particular, these 10 days, we're called to focus upon it. Uh, and so Rosh Hashanah begins this period of the new year and Yom Kippur really is the the heavy-duty culmination of it, it's a day of fasting, a uh, 25-hour fast from dinner uh, just before services on, on, the, on the evening of Kol all the way through sundown uh, the following day. So we ended our services last night uh, a little bit after 7 o'clock. The sun was busy going down. We were just fine. Uh, a communal break fast.
0: We broke fast uh, together, yeah.
1: Uh, and then now launching into, into this new year.
0: Lovely. So uh, yeah, we, uh, we have our own penitential season, which is Lent, right? It's a 40 day season for us. Um, I wonder, I wonder how you have, how do you notice people interacting with this season? I, I don't, uh i for christians there are some that find it to be a huge part of their christian journey mm-hmm. and then and we we always talk about penitence um this 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 season of turning the season of repentance we always talk about it as crucial to getting to Easter that we can't have Easter without that season. We, we, we cannot, um, I don't know if there, and we can, we can talk about how this falls in your, in your year of when do you all move to your place of celebration, um, um right, there's a, but you can't have the place of celebration without the penitence. We talk about this all the time, um, but I still, we still find in our congregation there are people who do not connect, at all with penitence and a season of lent and show up on easter and easter means a whole lot to them um and i i find it hard to connect with that myself as my whole understanding of easter my whole understanding of this god this triumphant god Mm -hmm. is out of our own um taking and examining ourselves right that season. So yeah, I wonder how you see that playing out in your no, ab-
1: absolutely there there's no question in in congregations around the country, there are those members who will attend for Rosh Hashanah and for Yom Kippur and have very little involvement during the rest of the year. Their priorities are, are different. Um, but I always tell my folks, particularly as we come into that, that month before Rosh Hashanah is, you know, as an athlete, you wouldn't uh, wake up one morning and go run a marathon, right? As a student, you wouldn't wake up one morning and go uh, take a giant math test and expect to do well. You can do it, but the experience is certainly better when you do the preparation that's necessary Uh, for it as well. And so actually, again, different congregations will do different things. I've done different things. I served two different congregations in the Boston area, a congregation in New Jersey, and now this community here. Uh, And over the years, we've done different things uh, to help people in that preparation. So here, for example, uh, for the month beforehand, uh, we taught. Uh, I taught an online class every Tuesday during the month beforehand, studying um, a piece of text, a piece of tradition from a, a medieval sage named Maimonides, uh, who wrote the, the laws, the rules of teshuva, the best ways to do it, things to be keeping in mind. We studied his work, not that it necessarily all applied to how we live our lives today, but it gave great insight and provided great conversation and a lot of good thinking about what does this season mean? How do we come into uh, the time of repentance and of starting the new? You know, it is both uh, a time of somber seriousness, um, but it also is a time of great joy. We are given this gift of a new year. We are given the opportunity to be sorry for what we have done wrong, to pledge in our imperfect way to make ourselves better and to come into the year. You know, you ask about a, the, a season of joy, you know, the Jewish calendar has lots of holidays, lots of holidays all over the place. This is a fairly intense period, um, but it's not coincidence that uh, in just a handful of days, actually starting Friday evening, is the next Jewish holiday called Sukkot, uh, which is a parallel to, to Tabernacles. It's the Feast of Booths. Uh, it's the Harvest Festival, um, but it is in particular a time to give gratitude for the blessings that we've received, for the abundant harvest, for the thanksgiving, for our gratitude. And so uh, there are some of our sages who connect, we get through Yom Kippur, we finally have repented, we get a new lease on life, what do we do? We go into Sukkot, we go into harvest, we go into thanksgiving for all of our blessings that we have, uh, almost, almost immediately. Uh, and so Sukkot's a very joyful holiday uh, that kind of balances out the uh, the solemnity, I think, of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, um, it's, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So for us, while I totally relate with the July 1 being when, when pastors move, um, our beginning of of the Christian year actually begins the first Sunday of Advent. Mm-hmm. So it be- I guess that's either the last Sunday of November, first Sunday of December, depending on where it falls each year. But the beginning of your Jewish year is July 1, is that right? Do you move at the same uh,
1: time? So right, the, the, the congregational calendar year. Frankly, the congregational Fiscal Year usually starts July 1, and that's what dictates when we move. Gotcha. From-
0: <laughs> we sh- our should be July 1, it's not, so that's a whole our, other thing. <laughs> our, the,
1: the, the Hebrew calendar has all kinds of fun quirks. Maybe I'll come out another time and we'll do calendar fun. Uh, yeah. because, um, the, the New Year, the counting of the New Year starts at Rosh Hashanah, uh, okay. begins that year, um, but the the season of holidays actually begins back in the spring with passover uh Mm -hmm. passover as a season of renewal rebirth of freedom of the exodus of going out of Egypt, of becoming a people is the mar is the start of the holiday calendar so to speak but the new year begins months later at Mm uh at the start of rosh hashanah Mm -hmm. we've got lots of calendars going on there are all kinds of fun things you know we are we are told um uh, both Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur have their roots in, in Bible, uh, in the book of Leviticus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, chapter 23 of Leviticus lays out a, a holiday calendar, a festival calendar. That, that's the biblical origins of what became the cycle of, Jewish, of many of the Jewish holidays. Uh, and it says, you know, on the first day of the month of uh, the seventh month, you'll have a, a sacred occasion proclaimed by loud blasts. That's the shofar beginning the year. On the 10th day of the month comes uh, the day of atonement, the day of self-affliction, that's the fasting, uh, a day of repentance. Uh, and so from those biblical roots, uh, we have developed this, the holiday, the liturgy uh, that comes to be this, this sacred season of the year.
0: Yeah, and so in, in worship, how many times do you blow the shafar? How do, so what does worship look like during so, this time?
1: Right. Uh, um, so the services are usually more, uh, more extended than, uh, than on just a, a, a Sabbath evening or a Sabbath morning. Um, they contain the same basic rubric of prayer, of worship, of praising, of asking, of thanking, of uh, you know, respecting God as the God of creation, God of revelation, God of redemption. Um, but there are inserts that are unique to the holiday season. Um, and so there is a service on the night of Rosh Hashanah and on the morning. Uh, during the morning service, we hear the sound of the shofar. Uh, there are three sets of shofar blasts uh, that are done. Uh, and they are done to, well, to call us to, to repentance, to call us to our better selves. Uh, It's really quite something to hear. Let me, I'll grab a shofar I should have gotten.
0: Yeah, show us.
1: So, uh, a shofar comes in all different shapes and sizes because it is, it's a ram's horn.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, The
1: horn of a a ram that's been somewhat cleaned out, often, you know, cleaned up a little bit on the outside but still left rough and unpolished on on the inside. Um, There are any number of reasons as to why and how and traditions as well. Uh, One of the stories that we read during uh, Rosh Hashanah is uh, from the book of Genesis, the story of the binding of Isaac, uh, the near sacrifice uh, of Isaac, uh, where rather than sacrifice Isaac, the angel comes to tell Abraham, don't sacrifice your son, sacrifice that ram that's caught nearby. That may be one of the origins for uh, the sounding of the shofar. But again, it's designed to be uh, a wake-up call. Again, our, our sage Maimare says that it uh, calls awake, you slumbers, everyone who is sleeping uh, in, in your life. Hopefully not physically sleeping in, in synagogue, though that does
0: happen. <laughs> you know that that's
1: happening. <laughs> of course, of course uh, but rather the, the metaphorical awakening. Um, I I, I don't know that I've blown this one, but I can try for you. Try
0: it, sir, go for
1: it. Uh, I don't know how the sound will come across on Zoom. We'll give it a try.
0: I know, well, we'll see.
1: So Mm -hmm. different sounds that the shofar makes, there's symbolism there's a, a, a metaphor in each of the brokenness of the sounds and the long sound at the end calling us back to to wholeness um but to hear that blown by by someone who really knows what they're i can blow shofar a little bit uh we have in the congregation a couple of people who are just phenomenal mm-hmm. uh and sound such pure and clear notes that to stand there and to to listen to the sound of the shofar you can hear it resonate in in your soul uh, calling us to to be the best us that we can be in in the new year
0: mm. calling us to be the best us that we can be um, that's i, I mean I, I love that i when we when we um, we teach Confirmation uh, with with our confirmation students, we we often talk about this word from the beginning of creation, um, Tove, mm-hmm. um, and so I know um, we talk, we always and it's the one thing they remember. Like I every year, every year we talk about Tove as it should be and and calling things back to being Tove again and how that's what we are work in the world. And they, I mean, I'm telling you, every year the kids will still like you'll you'll ask them questions and the answer is like jesus and they'll think the answer is Tove now like they think that, like like Tove is the thing that sticks in their mind that hebrew word um but that's that's beautiful it's just i love um i love that what is what what about this season for you really just personally hangs with you um really just resonates with you i know that there are particular moment everybody has their you know some people right skip all of Lent and come for Easter, because Easter means a lot to them. For me, as somebody who very much deeply loves the season of Lent and, and Holy Week, um, I, have my, um, um, I have my pieces of it that I just connect on a whole diff- different, deeper level with uh, throughout this time. So I wonder what that is for you during the season. Yeah.
1: You know, well, this year, this year in particular, the notion of, uh, of new beginnings of fresh starts has, has resonated. You know uh, my family picked up and and moved, and we started here. This congregation is beginning with a, a new rabbi, a season of renewal so that notion of of beginning again uh, of of starting over again um, I did a, an internship a, a fellowship with the Institute for Jewish spirituality, uh, which teaches mindfulness uh, and being able to be present in the moment and and that notion of even when we do things over again, it's still a first time. And starting all over again, here we are again for the first time, and that notion of, of new beginnings uh, has really resonated with me in particular this year. Um, the theological piece uh, that, that I think always strikes me, or, or that definitely stays with me, um, there's a section of our liturgy repeated in, in each of the services uh, uh, um, that's called Avinu Malkenu, uh, which literally translates means our father, our king. Uh, Nowadays, I tend to translate it as our, our parent, our sovereign. Um, I don't describe a, a gender to God in that way that 's not my relationship with God, but or just leave it untranslated as Avinu Makenu uh, it's a series of of petitions or of imploring of God. Avinu Makenu that, that this new year be a good year for us. Avinu Makenu, let uh, we let us be inscribed in the book of goodness of forgiveness uh, of life for this year. Uh, Avinu Makenu. We, we have little merit in and of ourselves, and we pray for your compassion and your grace and your justice uh, for, for us. That notion of Avinu and Malkinu, God who is close to us like a parent, and yet God who is so infinitely beyond us like a sovereign, like a ruler, uh, and that imminence and transcendence all in one, um, you know, not an easy theological thing just to, oh, right, of course that, that's where God is. God is inside me and God is beyond me. Um, but that piece always has, has resonance to me in terms of a relationship with God.
0: Yeah, what a what a beautiful paradox. Uh, we we're currently actually in a sermon series where we're talking about God as God is open, God is both. And on the week when we talked about God as both, we talked about the imminence and um, the, the the transcendence of God, and also the fact that God is with me and cares about my life. Like that is. Um, when you sit and feast on that for like just a few seconds, it just will blow your mind. Right. And um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And what, and like paradox, the the paradox of God is often um, it's often hard to grasp. It's all, it's often like, it's the things we got to wrestle with, with God. But with that, that feels like it's the God of the universe and the God who loves me um, Mm -hmm. That that just makes me want to, want to love God. I don't know, there's something about that that just, uh, I, I completely get your connection with that. Yeah. I wonder as this is the beginning, like you are talking about the beginning of a new year, the beginning of this new season for you, I mean, having to move to a new place and with all the fri- like friendship and neighbors and all those things in a time when friendship and neighbors looks different and it's so hard to make relationship, um, I I I can imagine how hard that is. I wonder how does the how does in the liturgy or in in, in how do you all talk about this beginning of the new year this be, this this um remembrance of cre- of the the dawn of creation? How do you talk about that in relationship with um uh, I guess more um Political conversations about how we care for the earth. I I can't think of you t- doing that without. I can't think of of having this act. We don't have anything like that built into our Christian calendar. We don't. We don't have any main. Oh, I get. I mean, sometimes we do like liturgies on Earth Day. We, we we make it up. We make it up. But it's based on our main Christian calendar. We don't have anything built in to really think. And reflect on the care of the earth and the care of creation and the dawn of creation and and uh, and since it has so much to do with repentance mm-hmm. there's a lot of thinking about what what have we done with creation what have we done how do you all blend that with conversations about the earth that we have today everywhere now
1: you know that that is that is an important text and the notion of it being the the birthday of the world as we teach our our, our little kids and um you know, we're told in the stories of creation that that to humanity is given the responsibility to, to till and to tend uh, this garden of ours and to be shomre adamah, guardians of the earth, uh, watchtakers, caretakers. Um, and that is that call to being part of something larger than ourselves is woven into the high holiday liturgy uh, as well. You know, it is a period of, personal reflection and our introspection about what we have done, but it's also about our communal responsibility uh, and how we connect one to another and how we connect to the world around us. Um, It's not an accident that on uh, Yom Kippur Day, in the midst of uh, the fasting that we do, uh, one of the sections uh, of text that is read is from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, chapter 58, I think, uh, where he says, is this the fast that I look for? No, it's not a day of self-affliction, but rather it is to feed the hungry, to free the captive, to shelter those who are in need, to take the homeless into your own home. Uh, That's the fast that God wants from us. And so that notion of our responsibility to look inward and outward at the same time, into ourselves and to see what have we done and outward to see what our responsibility is to other is part and parcel of the, the liturgy itself. You know, it's a, um, I, I preached on, uh, on Yom Kippur morning about values and voting. Uh, and that we are called upon to take our values from our faith into the voting booth with us, however we might interpret them, however we might decide, or however that might influence candidates and in issues that we vote on. Um, you know, Isaiah was not a Democrat or a Republican. Uh, I've been telling my congregants a lot, right, that uh, Amos and Hosea and all the great biblical prophets were definitely political because they cared about the shape of society. They weren't partisan, they don't belong to one party or another. Um, Isaiah tells us, feed the hungry. Isaiah doesn't tell us you have to do block grants or you have to do soup kitchens or you have to do food stamps. How we do that is up to us as human beings. That we have to do that was Isaiah's message to us from God. Uh, And that's part and parcel of very much of of these holy days that it's about us, and it's about, it's not just about us, it's about us in, in relation to the world and society around us too.
0: Yeah. Well, Isaiah was Jesus's favorite prophet. Um, <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, Jesus was known to, to quote Isaiah all right. up and down. And so I, I think about, um, I love what you said and how this, how this takes place on Yom Kippur, um, the day of atonement. And I think about that and I think, I. I believe that part of having like these, these conversations, these interfaith conversations, um, like I think you, you said in an earlier conversation, um, we have more things alike than we have. uh, We have more, we're more alike than we are different. We have a lot of things we can, we can, um, we can relate to each other. in. this idea of atonement obviously is huge in the Christian faith and it's centered in Jesus, but the understanding of atonement for us um which is all rooted in our good friday experience um but our understanding of atonement has over time just morphed and changed and and really um in some ways has fallen apart um from the the intention of atonement that jesus would have had as a as 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 Jewish, uh, inherently Jewish, this understanding of it. I, for us, atonement has taken this very individualistic, a lot of times in the Christian faith is very individualistic, um, personal, um, our salvation is a personal salvation, Um, um, our, our, our sins are personal sins, um, and, and we have truly lost this, um, I think we're coming back to it in many ways, but, but, we've lost this sense of of the corporate and what you're like what i hear you saying is isaiah was talking about corporate atonement like the sins of the people the mm-hmm. sins of, so uh, how do you, how would you describe the the Jewish take on atonement. What? How would how would you describe what is atonement? What would Jesus have been taught atonement was right as a Jew? I know you don't know that for sure, right? But I feel like we could get we can get some perspective on on what was intended right. by atonement right. in this and you know, something that is very much a con, con, we constantly disagree as Christians on atonement. Oh right.
1: well, Look, I, and it's a fascinating way to think about that, and and uh, uh, the study of of first century, second century Judaism and its teachings is, is a fascinating piece in its intersection with, with, uh, uh, with the early roots of, of Christianity. Um, what I will say is, is this on a couple of levels. Um, there's a, a great piece of text uh, that gets included in our liturgy that makes very clear that for sins between a person and God Uh, things we've done wrong, transgressions, whatever word we want to use for that, misdeeds, right? Yom Kippur can atone. We come and we are reflective. We say we are sorry. We are pardoned and, and forgiven by God. But the same piece of text reminds us for sins between one human being and another, Yom Kippur will not atone unless we have made peace with that other person, meaning that you can't cheat someone, steal from someone, hurt someone's feeling, and say, oh, it's okay, Yom Kippur, I'll say, I'm sorry, it gets me off the hook. We're taught actually Yom Kippur does not atone then unless you have gone to that other person, apologized, tried to make amends, tried to repair what you have done. So there is that interpersonal connection. It's not just that you can come on Yom Kippur and your sins are washed clean but you have to do that hard interpersonal work. And I think that that helps weave those bonds of community and, and connection. Look, we live in an American society that has as one of its foundational principles, the notion of rugged individualism, right? that we can do things on our own and the autonomy of the individual person is paramount and so important. And I think there are great values in that. I don't discount that by any sense, um, but I think you're right that some of what we have lost is the notion that it's more than just about me. It's about us, it's about we Uh, as a community. I think there's a a strain of America uh, that needs a little bit more of that and that we're working towards. And then I think that as people of faith that we recognize, look, you can pray on your own, uh, but prayer is so much more meaningful and I don't know, effective isn't quite the right word, uh, but when you do it as a group, uh, when you do it in congregation when you do it in in sacred community um, and and to what we were talking about before right I think look as communities of faith there is there are serious theological differences things that we believe uh, that are gonna put us into separate camps and that's fine but there is so much that our belief our beliefs our values compel us to do that is the same that does overlap um, why uh, when I was a rabbi in the outskirts way outskirts of Boston, little tiny community. We were the only Jewish community for a good 40 minutes in any direction kind of thing, 40 miles in any direction. Um, But we were part of an interfaith community with a dozen other churches. We were the only synagogue that were there. Uh, And what we were able to do in the community in terms of helping those who needed assistance with uh, electrical bills or food in support of the food pantry, uh, or working together to make a difference, uh, and in, in our environmental practices. All those things I think we're called upon, uh, to do together, to work together. Our, our faiths almost demand that of us, and our values certainly align, uh, in order to, to promote us working together for those things.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I, um, I, I'm, I think often when you, when you, when you are talking about this, uh, this that it's not just about remembering that creation, uh, that the that, that creation was created, but nice. also about what is our continual um, uh, recreation? What is this? What is this? What is our continual relationship with, with the earth and with the people of the earth, with God's creatures? How, how do we, how are we in relationship with them and how do we work towards the healing mm-hmm. of, um, of i'm often i often think of one of it's a i mean it's a prayer we pray um every week in church um thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven mm-hmm. what what is the what is the what is the preferred what is god's preferred future what is what is what, is, what does Tove look like and how are we working to to bring Tove to the earth mm-hmm. to bring as it as it was in the beginning um um, to, um, to creation. And, and you mentioned a couple, you you mentioned the way we interact with the poor. You mentioned, um, yeah, that, that how we vote matters, like, and, and, and taking our values to, um, into, into voting. Uh, that's, that's another, I, I wonder what other, what other ways does the, the, the politic come into this, like the, the, the public? Um, I, I wonder if there's other, other conversations you all have had related to this.
1: No, it, that's a, a good question, right? And the, the idea of, the idea that this world that we are in is an imperfect one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that for all of its wonder and, uh, and tremendous mystery, the, we know there are parts of our world that are incomplete, that are, that are broken. Uh, and whether that's in society as a whole, in terms of how we treat the vulnerable among us, uh, in terms of our care for the earth uh, and the environment around us, in terms of the interpersonal relations we we build person to person. Um, There are broken pieces in our world, uh, and we are called upon to be God's partner in in renewing that act of creation. Uh, You said earlier, right, creation happens every day. Not just that first day, that first week, that first moments of, uh, of creation, uh, but uh, there's a prayer in our liturgy. We praise God who renews the work of creation every day. And how blessed are we, how fortunate are we to have that opportunity that each and every day we can make a difference in the world. Uh, in terms of sometimes the the abject politics and who we vote for and who our representatives are and what we petition them for and encourage them to do Um, but just as importantly the type of civic society that we build how do we support our local institutions are we good neighbors are we good citizens of our communities Um, how do we treat one another when we see each other in the grocery store is it just a Rough, uh, a brisk mm, hello, and or do we actually stop and get to know one another? Socially distant with masks nowadays, perhaps, but uh, um, but those types of connections that we have uh, are are so important. You know, it's it's one thing to to profess our faith and to live our values on Rosh Hashanah, on Yom Kippur, on on Easter, on Christmas. Uh, it's another thing to live those values each and every day, uh, and I think that's what we're truly called upon to do part of the role of the church part of the role of the synagogue is to be a reminder to people a go to people a priority setting for people a a space to do living and learning so that our values come through in everything that we do yeah
0: yeah That's huge. Well, um, I I don't know, is there, is is there anything else that you haven't shared about these beautiful holy days that you would like to share with us? I think I saw a picture of you holding a guitar. I'm just,
1: (laughs) if that was out on our, on our, our website, Um, you know, there, look, there always are, are things that we can be done. It's a time of reflection and introspection. It's a time of uh, of prayer, it's a time of study. It's a time of doing as well. I failed to mention um, for for years now. Our youth group, our high school kids, our teens, uh, have sponsored a a food drive uh, for the LCAC, the Lorton County.
0: The LCAC too! Yay!
1: So um, it was a little different this year because we weren't all in person. But uh, in most years on Rosh Hashanah our teenagers prepare and hand out grocery bags with a flyer on them telling them what foods are needed. And on Yom Kippur, on this day when people fast, people bring in bags of food for donation, the food that we aren't eating as a fast, we are making sure that those whose fast is involuntary can be nourished as well. And so even in this COVID era where we weren't all in person, our teams found a way to do that. We handed out grocery bags in a drive-by. We've been collecting our lobbies filled uh, with bags that, uh, that the Action Center is going to come by uh, next week to, to pick up. You know, those types of things, that's, that's living our values. Um, and I think that that's, uh, that's so key and so important.
0: That is. I look forward to 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 continuing to partner. Um would uh, love
1: that opportunity. Yeah,
0: we would love it. Um so uh I I was gonna ask if uh I mean we are a um we're a people in need of repentance <laughs> as well. Um I I, I don't know, um I, I hopefully this isn't putting you on the spot, but I would would you be willing to share a piece of your liturgy with us in any way before we leave um of um maybe repentance or some beautiful prayer or something that really stuck with you or hangs with you so i would we would we would love to hear a little bit of what you all have been praying and pray it along um
1: let me let me find for, for you one piece in particular
0: awesome would love that
1: you know my desk is still a little messy from the remains of all the surfaces <laughs> Uh, The piece here, this is what I'm thinking of, there is um, particularly as part of the Yom Kippur liturgy, which as I said is a little heavier, a little more, there's a a section of confessional prayers called the Vidui uh, in in Hebrew, uh, which means confessional um, and an opportunity for us as a whole to ask uh, for the sin we've committed against you by Gossip, the sin we've committed against you by gluttony, the sin we've committed against you by arrogance, by hating without cause. And at the end of the section, uh, we have the passage that says, For all of these sins, O God of mercy, forgive us and pardon us and grant us atonement. Uh, And at the very conclusion of the day, at the very conclusion of that litany of our sins and asking for forgiveness, uh, our our prayer book takes a piece of text from Bible and says, as the Eternal One, as God says, I have pardoned in response to your plea. And not every year and not every moment but some of the times for the community in hearing that after spending the day of of confessing what and remembering what we have done wrong to hear that moment of Salachti ki i have forgiven as you have asked that that moment of of grace uh i think would be a good term to use that that right. moment of of forgiveness that moment of drawing closer to God, I think, always is a very powerful moment
0: as well. And, uh, and I yes, I love it. And it, it it's the it's the same way for us. Uh, we have we have moments of 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 pardon built into our 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 confessional liturgies too. And I think. Um, there is something. It, it doesn't even matter how often you do it. There is something truly humbling about the moment of of, of hearing our our pardon, um, and we would respond to what you just said. Um, glory to God. That's how we would respond. So, um, I um, I appreciate um, you sharing with us. Thank you so much for um, for giving us a window into Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and this season of of penitence and and um, I. I uh, hang on your initial words that this is not just a season. This is not something that we do, um, one time, but we continue to do it over and over and over again. Um, that's a part of the whole year, um, that we, may we be confessional people, um, people who are willing to, uh, examine our own hearts and make, um, make our lives right with God and right with our neighbor. Um, and that's a daily thing. And,
1: and, and, and the purpose of that in this season uh, is to begin again, for that moment of, of renewal, of return, uh, and of now going forward into this new year, each and every moment, each and, and every day, uh, trying to be our, our best
0: selves. Trying to be our best selves, yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for even blowing the shafar for us. We're so we're, we're grateful for that. And uh, yeah. it was uh, wonderful to be with you. Um, and we will see you soon. We will say this is uh, this is only the beginning of a relationship.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. Thank you
1: for um, letting me share with your community and for our opportunity to, to learn together. Thanks so yeah. much.
0: Yeah, you too. Bye.